0: Welcome to Security with Spirits, an Oak Barrel Security Podcast. I'm
1: Jason. This has been Jonathan. And Tony. We'll tell you what to drink while we tell you why we drink.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, I'm not drinking spirits, but I saw a Guinness in the fridge and getting to be closer to fall time, so... I'm going to do the Guinness thing, and I'm even going to open it up by the mic so we can all enjoy it. Oh, yes. Love that sound. Ben, what you got?
2: Well, I'm opening my bottle of Glen Kinchy 12-year Lowland Scotch. Now, I went through a lot of trouble finding this Scotch, and it's the last of the classic malts. Let's see, Glenfiddich I think is probably one of the most popular. Mm -hmm. There, kind of characterized as being sweeter, easy to drink, not much heatiness or smokiness to them. And let's see if I can catch this. That that come across? Anyone hear the pop? I didn't hear it. Do it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, we got something there.
2: There we go, there's the pour, yeah. <laughs> See if I can pop again. Ah, yes. Nice. <laughs> okay.
0: That's a good one.
2: The first thing that I noticed about this bottle is it's a clear bottle, and this this scotch is like gold. It's it is such a pretty color. But it hurts to have a taste. Ooh. That's good. Nice. It, it characterizes everything you'd expect from Alolan the sweetness gentle smoothness on the palate yeah it's really good oh what was it called again? Glen Kinchy G-L-E-N-K-I-N-C-H-I-E and man but it, 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 it took me a while to find it. it's called the Edinburgh Malt it's, a, it's yeah it's really good
0: Nice. I'll try that out.
2: What are you drinking, Jonathan? I've got pear-infused whiskey mixed with a little bit of uh, pineapple juice. And it is delish. Tony, what do you got for us tonight?
1: Our signature cocktail for this episode is the Oak Barrel Carrot and Stick. Uh, not so much a recipe as a series of instructions. Because begins with step one. Get your Dremel out. All right. Where else are you getting cocktail content that involves a Dremel? <laughs> Go ahead and find uh, the whole series, pictures, and cybersecurity stuff at OakBarrelSecurity.com. Yeah, you got to check it out.
0: I love how uh, I love how the cybersecurity was an afterthought. <laughs> Go check out uh, check out our drinks. Oh, and cybersecurity mm-hmm. stuff too. Yeah, we, we get that too.
1: Yeah. I, I think we know what motivates people here.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, cool carrot and stick. That's a great, uh, great cocktail to pair with uh, tonight's topic.
1: I would just like to call out that Ben's little description there was like whiskey ASMR. That was amazing. Yes, <laughs>
2: <laughs> loved it. <laughs> oh,
0: maybe that's what we should do. Whiskey, uh, whatever it is, ASMR.
2: <laughs> Cybersecurity ASMR with whiskey. <laughs>
0: Just popping a bottle, pouring a drink, keyboard clacking away, zipping <laughs> on it. I, I've 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 not had a whole lot of sleep either. Um, whenever I'm I'm out with uh, vendors and other cybersecurity people, I tend to just not sleep. All right, well that's a a great cocktail and a, a perfect blend of uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight: uh, the carrot versus the stick, how to treat um, treat users, not abuse users, so you know they can be a better um, better defense for your for your network. Uh, and that, I mean, that's going to include all people. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So I think the I think the first thing that this is going to play into is, or the first thing that's gonna play into this to help this is the uh, cybersecurity awareness program that you have built. Uh, that's gonna be your education for the users, It's gonna let them know how, how they should react and what to expect whenever something happens. I know a lot of people do the, every six months they're gonna send out the same, you know, fish email to the entire organization and it, it's just not effective It's, um, usually one, usually the, uh, usually like one user finds that it is truly a fish. And then they just tell everybody, yeah, don't click that. It's a fish. Uh, so you gotta be a little bit more dynamic and you gotta be a little bit better about that. One of the things that, uh, one of the things that always gets me is I can't believe the amount of people who still have the wall of shame. Like that's, that doesn't seem (laughs) real effective to me. Uh, I know we, we, um, we had like an internal wall of shame, like some other companies i work for, you know, cause it's kind of fun with the it department and you're, you got your fishing day and you see, you know, like a, you get a, a big fish, like a VP or something who clicked on it. Um, some of the, some of the companies that I've talked to, it's public, like they'll, they'll publish it. And I, I don't think that's the right way to go. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Tony with photos
1: of the people. That's, wow, that's just dirty <laughs>
0: yeah you go and take a picture and like have like a stuffed fish or something and just like pointing at him and laughing like that's terrible
1: it's actually sending the, the opposite message i mean that is a wall of shame for the it department pointing out yeah. how they failed their users
2: yep if i ended up on a wall of shame like that and someone stuck sent out a picture and tried to make a fool of me click every link i find <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, uh, and,
1: yeah, uh, you just created an insider threat.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. and, like, and and that might be just me, but there's different types of people that have different reactions to these kinds of things. There's some be some people that may quit the job because they feel mm-hmm. so embarrassed. There'll be people that, you know, maybe throw in a tirade or insulting the IT department because they they've been shamed or they've been insulted, and uh, they'll immediately start turning it around and. Talking about it's not my fault, it's your fault, and spread that sentiment around. And nothing, nothing spreads faster than bad news or, or you know, insults and just der- derisive conversation. You
0: know. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it it is, it it is IT's fault. Like I, 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 and I'm gonna get torn apart by saying this, but hopefully you have the technology and everything in place. To to do the best best you can, there's going to be some of those fishes that get around it. There are malicious emails or whatever that get around it, but that's I mean that's what we're there to do. Like we're we're there to try to get those. And if we're insulting the users who receive these emails and can tell us this this came through, it slipped past our technology. Like we we have to train them to trust us, and this wall of shame is not the way to do it.
1: No, it's like so very wrong. I, I can tell you from my personal experience. Even just responding to users to let them know that what they submitted uh, wasn't a fish, it was maybe a legitimate email. Uh, I've gotten responses back. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I really didn't mean to bother you. I mean, people are very sensitive about this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we have to. We have to really be thinking about how we handle these communications. And
2: I'd yeah. much rather spend three, four minutes verifying an email is legit than deal with, like, a ransomware. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Exactly.
1: That's, that's exactly what I tell them. Um, but, I mean, that's just how easy it is to lose someone.
0: And we were talking about, you know, people getting uh, revenge or people being hurt or, you know, people leaving the company or all, you know, all the repercussions of the wall of shame. Another possibility, which I've seen that before, is they're like, well, if if I'm just gonna get yelled at for clicking, clicking links, then I'm just not gonna check my email again. And now you've lost that line of communications with that person. Right. So- if All that
2: happens when I, when I open my email is IT yells at me. And it's like- Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, we're, yeah. Here's a tool that helps us communicate better, but don't you dare use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> the first thing usually and when you ask people hey what can we do to make this or you make your job easier and what can we do to make it's immediately pointing out what other people are doing that inhibits and that same behavior comes out anytime you're critical of someone or you or, or you blame someone or you shame someone or, and be critical of them that same behavior is going to come out to the front forefront. They are immediately going to find a reason to justify what they did, find reasons why they feel like their behavior was the right behavior, or why they why they were validated in their actions. And immediately, it, and it just makes the job so much harder because you have to eventually draw them out of that war zone, so to speak, to bring them back into the fold and rebuild that trust and that working relationship and you will spend far more time doing that than you would made the situation a more positive experience.
0: Yeah, I think the another a popular thing is is rewarding the people who are catching the fishes. Catching these, you know, instead of a wall, wall of shame, have a wall of fame, have a like you know this person successfully for like the last, you know, I, I however often you fish, uh do the fish training or fish exercises or whatever. This person caught the last three. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. So put them up there and you know give them something, ten dollar Amazon card, something, anything.
1: I had a teacher once tell me that people will live up to or down to the expectations you place upon them. So hmm. all you have to do is make people feel like they're part of the security team and include Mm -hmm. them Uh, and you'll be amazed you you don't even have to dangle carrots you just include people and make them feel like they're doing a part of something good which they are they're helping protect your company uh, and they'll just do it yeah that's a good point you couldn't email them the Amazon card though could you
0: (laughs) (laughs) congratulations i need you to go out and buy like forty dollars worth of gift cards i'll reimburse you like
2: uh, trust me <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i need you to scratch them all off and send me a picture of them and then yeah we'll we'll get you don't worry
2: while you're at it we need you to update your direct deposit information <laughs>
0: yeah. if you could send that information to us we'll get you that uh that money directly deposited into your account i was gonna go into the uh 15 minutes of training annually I I can't stand that like it just doesn't work
2: oh yeah it's a stick chores yeah sure I actually uh, I was listening to a a a video by he's a guitar teacher and one of the things he brought up was he had this this, uh, it was like a, a song I guess that had him practice certain techniques right and the whole idea was like, once, he said, once you get to a point where you can play this, don't play it anymore, because then it turns into exercise, or and it's or, or like a chore, you know? And I thought that was kind of neat, because it, it, that's how I feel about my annuals every year. It's like, this is a chore. This isn't, I'm not reinforcing anything. I'm just doing a chore, <laughs> right? I'm yep. not learning. I'm not positively reinforcing these behaviors. I'm just getting, checking a box.
0: Yeah and i think that's a big thing in all cybersecurity awareness programs is don't think of it as a as checking a box like this is this goes beyond whatever requirements or regula, regulations or whatever that you have in place that says you have to be you know a, a less than you know 17% click through or whatever and you have to do it twice a year it it goes way beyond that like this is the the security of your system this is training up the the people who are are out there to help you and protect it um, you need to transform that checkbox into like actionable, real things, like something that, that you can actually use in your cybersecurity program.
2: Yeah, it should be interactive, and yeah, rewarding. Like there should be something that excites people about doing it
0: and fun. We live in the age of TikTok. Keep them short and sweet. Get the point across and move on like it <laughs> i i'm shame to say but i i do uh i do browse through TikTok, and you got like two seconds if if you're not entertaining me in two seconds flip next thing and it's the exact same thing with uh, some of this training stuff that's out there i've seen some just horrible cybersecurity training that just goes off on a tangent and the user doesn't care they don't want to know what uh um like reverse encryption or, or uh or not reverse encryption uh like reverse proxies and de-encryption and all like they don't care they just want to know what they can do to help protect the system that's it do their jobs and be safe while doing it
2: how can i accomplish what i need to do without figuring anything you guys need
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and treat your security awareness just like you would any other it problem solving issue. Uh, it's not one technology fits all.
0: And don't forget to train. Don't forget to include. This is a big thing that I see a lot of people do is they, they put out their, um, the training to everybody. Training for the IT department needs to be a little different. They're they're different minded people and they've got a lot of access to a lot of things. (laughs) So, just showing them like the same thing that the users get about, this is a fish. They're going to hate it. They're going to click through it. They're, they they do not care. They don't want to know, um, give them things that they can actually use. I, I know, uh, so like we, we have password management tools that, that are being used, but train, but people still call in to the, um, to the help desk to get password reset, make sure they know how to verify a user, how to, how to, verify an identity before resetting a password like that's even if you have to people are going to get mad like if you can't verify through uh mfa or you can't verify through something other than well this kind of sounds like you know go from accounting or something like that just because or because now especially with ai and you know the voice uh, manipulation and stuff like that deep fakes and all that kind of stuff you can't really go by that anymore um you can't look at a number and be like oh it's it's uh, joe and he always calls on extension 5583 or something like that have have a verification model in place make sure they know it and let them know that you're there's going to be a time where you're going to upset somebody you, you they can't get verified and you're like well. You're going to have to come into the location and we're going to have to, you know, figure it out.
2: Yeah. And if you want people to use the tools that you put in place, they need to be easy to use and rewarding, you know, in some way. Like they need to, because otherwise, yeah, you'll do this call and then they'll say, well, your tools suck. You know, they'll justify that. Hey, I... I'm calling because I can't use your tool. Your tool is too complicated. And, you know, go through the verification process and it just makes the whole experience uh, yeah, not, not fun for either party.
1: Yeah, users will always find a way to route around the technology if it's impeding them. And it doesn't matter how deep your defenses are if somebody can just call and get in.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: So, the never-ending
0: struggle (laughs) one of the really cool things so we talked a little bit earlier about you know keeping it fun and exciting and um some of the things you can do with training and and while i was out at uh black hat i saw somebody give a demonstration on mindfulness for um for cybersecurity. so everybody knows the the mindfulness where you have to like you know take a minute it's not it's not you know hours and hours of meditation where you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that's not it. Mindfulness is just being aware of being present, you know, Uh, wiggling your toes, wiggling your fingers, take a few deep breaths, stuff like that, and just kind of like exist in the moment and not get caught up in stuff. And that's a lot of the malicious emails that come in try to cause panic and chaos and rush things. So you, so all of that is shut off and you just act without thinking. So One of the things I'm I'm trying to get going, uh, is a, is a mindfulness program or some training where, um, anytime you get an email, that's suspicious, take a second, take a deep breath. Think about it. If you are a hundred percent certain that this is a legit email, then act on it. If you are a hundred percent certain that this is a malicious email, then report it to fish. If you are. Kind of on the fence. You think it's sort of legit. It probably could be real. Report it to Fish. Like, if there's anything other than 100% certain that this is a legit email, then report it.
1: Ask yourself, does this email spark joy?
0: (laughs) Oh, so now we're doing, uh, what is that, uh, the minimalism? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If this doesn't bring me joy, then gone. Well, all my email would be gone then. <laughs> I'll just set up a rule in Outlook. Done. Email comes in with sender asterisk,
1: then put it in the trash. <laughs> Couldn't There's, be more secure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a like part of that mindfulness, in, uh, in avoiding compulsion, right? Like people will check their email constantly. Mm -hmm. and then just, oh, what's this, oh, what's this, oh, what's this? And it really turns out if you can avoid that compulsion instinct, because that's exactly right, the fishes or emails are designed to get to compel you into acting irrationally.
0: And I've seen people who are obsessed with email. It's like some sick game where they'll be at dinner or something, and any any second they have they will open up their phone and like respond to a bunch of emails i'm like why let let them cook they'll be there tomorrow morning it's fine like just it's a great thing about email they'll yeah. be there the next day <laughs> yeah it's not going You
1: right guys right ever anymore. hear of the inbox zero method oh yeah tell us tell us what that is tony oh gosh i'm remembering <laughs> it's been a while
0: so mine for uh let's see for me inbox zero was uh
1: shoot like you, it, you it deal with everything but only in bursts yeah,
2: yeah. Remember, they talked about it in the book tim ferris's book four hour yeah. Yeah. week yep he okay schedules the amount of time that he looks at the email and anything he doesn't get to he doesn't get to Let's <laughs> see. If he, he, he'll during the next hour he'll work from the top of his inbox down and whatever he doesn't get to he doesn't get to so I thought it was that, well, that was my idea of what it was it's like you you don't let your inbox control your time you let your time control your inbox
0: yeah there were there was another uh and I've only I've only been allowed to do well I've only done it once and it worked but the example was in the book um if you go on vacation none of those emails matter like whenever you get back into the office if it was something that was absolutely urgent then they yeah. should have called the service center or called you know whoever's joining for you to or,
2: handle it <laughs> yeah
0: so once you get back more than likely you're going to reply to it and they'll say oh it's already been done so and so took care of it or oh i don't need that anymore or whatever so while you're on vacation delete all your emails and have the reply back that I'm on vacation, this email's automatically been deleted, if you need assistance, call the help desk or call, you know, whoever next in line. Um, but I'm not going to reply to it, I'm not even going to see it, it's gone forever. And it was pretty nice coming back to, because it's always panic, you always come back from vacation and you're like, great, I got 600 emails now that I gotta filter through. So it was it was pretty nice, it was a really good idea.
1: Yeah, and listen, that's security too. Uh, no one person should be the go-to for everything.
0: True. Yeah,
2: <laughs> one is none.
0: Yeah, and I know we've been focusing a lot on emails, but make sure. And we've seen a rise in this with uh, SMS, kind of um, phone calls, not so much, but Teams. Make teams, sure you get your...
2: Slack. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: Yep. So yeah, make sure you've got those secured and you've got uh, even if they are secured, still train people know what to do whenever they, they get some weird uh, Teams Slack, whatever, Discord messages.
2: I hope that many people aren't getting unsolicited Teams messages. But
1: I, I mean that's a good point that it's so far beyond email at this point. Like yeah, you, know, you just need to teach your users how to be secure in general.
2: Right. And that taps into like People's desire to be recognized, or, or however you want to put it, unsolicited message on Teams or something from someone who says they're someone that uh, it's going to inspire a whole lot of uh, curiosity and make it really difficult for that person to resist. So teaching them how to deal with that, like like the mindfulness method and thing, that's that's a good approach
1: and policy has to back that up too uh you know if you have a policy in place that people have to respond to emails or teams messages within a certain amount of time then you're putting a a time pressure on them that feeds into the attackers
2: Ooh,
0: that's a that's a good point yeah that's i would be really interested to see i i know other places that have that you know they they have to respond within to emails within a certain amount of time um i'd be yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point. I've never worked at a place that had that, um, but but I have heard of others that that have that. So, yeah, that's that's just weakening your defenses because yeah, now you're adding extra pressure.
2: I would recommend a book called The Anatomy of Peace by the Artbringer Institution. They are a Consulting firm that deals with conflict resolution, and it has a lot of details on how people react and how people get into contentious situations and how we have to get out of them. and it, uh, It's a it's a very easy read. It's not not a very long book, and uh, it has uh, some bonus material at the end of it that helps you apply it to certain situations and certain goals of an organization, but. I, I would highly recommend that for people who are looking for a way to improve the way they deal with people.
0: All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. I uh, hope you you took some valuable information away and maybe go out and and hug your users and hopefully they'll hug back. And if they haven't, then you failed. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, I'm Jason.
2: This is Ben.
1: Jonathan. Tony.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.